0: Ghosts are horny. Oogie.
1: Revisiting female violence. That could be any of these episodes.
2: I I hate to bring up bugs. (laughs) Once again, I have to bring up bugs.
0: Six quick and easy steps for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon.
1: Liberal propaganda. Damn cucks.
2: This is a John Winchester hate zone.
1: Could have had like Killer him. Optimus Prime and he had to be racist. Had to be fucking racist. Persuader.
2: Hi and welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon.
1: I'm Jordan Grimm. And I'm Allie.
2: And we'll be your hosts for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. Hello! This week we get to talk about the highest form of man and Allie's type. Magician. My favorite
0: type. Only man for me. <laughs> Magic, Magic man. man. <laughs> have we talked about this on the podcast?
2: I think we may have, but you should tell the story again because it's good.
0: I always said that I would date a magician. Like all I was looking for was a magician. And it was to the point where I would have friends like text me if they walked by a magic shop and they'd be like, oh, I'm going to look for your person here. And I was on a date once and I was explaining this to the date and the date was like, Oh, why is that funny? I'm like, oh, well, like, it's a magician. It's the lowest form of man. <laughs> and guess who was a magician in their spare time? <laughs> that date ended very quickly.
1: <laughs> and then, could you say he pulled a disappearing act? But I'm... Oh.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So welcome to my health. Or life, whatever you want to call it.
2: Incredible. So... As we get into the headspace to talk about this episode, I want to know what we would all wear as our costume on stage if we were magicians.
1: I know exactly what I'd wear. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to be one side a magician and the other side a magician's assistant, like split (gasps) right down the middle so I I can set up all of my own magic tricks as the assistant on one side And of course, if I could grow a beard, my beautiful Jessica Rabbit dress would also be adorned with a beard. But I cannot, unfortunately. And then I would do the axe from the other side. And I imagine it's a lot easier to do illusions if you're only showing one half of your body at a time. Probably. Yeah, I think that would work out. I think so, too.
0: I also like as opposed to the 360 degree view we (laughs) had. all the time.
1: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Like, I think it's just called turning. <laughs> turning?
2: <laughs> no, no, that can't be right.
0: Oh, yours is so good. I'm not gonna live up to it. I wanna know. Oh, I would just have some basic bitch thing. I would have, like, a high waisted black skirt. Probably a white shirt with, like, ruffles tucked into that skirt. Ooh. And a red short jacket. Like, you just, you gotta go basic, go classic.
1: Do you like a classic magician outfit? Yeah, incredible. Do you have a hat?
0: Uh, no, because I look bad in hats. Hats are not meant for me.
2: (laughs) Not even a tiny hat. Not even a tiny hat. Definitely not a tiny hat. to the top of your head. No. Oh wow. Okay.
0: Literally never. But I think I would do like something like let's go cheesy and do like glitter red eyeshadow. Something I would never do normally. Ooh, I love that. What about you, Jasper? I'm
2: gonna dress up as Frank and Furter, and everything I say (laughs) is gonna be a weird sex pun. Love it. That's, yeah, and that's it. That's all we
1: need. Classic, simple, we like.
2: Obviously in honor of Barry Bostwick, who is in this episode. Who, who was Brad in Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, he was, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Supernatural is like, what if we just had a bunch of fucking legends in this episode for no fucking reason? <laughs> Today's episode is season four, episode 12, Chris Angel is a douchebag, or the illusion of choice. This episode was written by Julie Siege and directed by Robert Singer and originally aired on January 22nd, 2009. You know, since I brought up Barry Boswick already, there were a lot of familiar faces in this. Like, it wasn't just him. They had John Rubenstein as Charlie, who's basically been in, like, fucking everything ever also. Most recently, he's recognizable from Dear White People. They also had John Rubenstein's son, Michael Weston, who played young Charlie, who has been on Scrubs, ER, and House, which is probably where like any of the viewership of supernatural has recognized him from
1: they do like to pull from their daytime actor pool and i always enjoy seeing all of the people they choose oh yeah
2: totally like i said it's just crazy like you're watching season four of supernatural and then all of a sudden you're like holy shit is that barry bostwick what the fuck
0: (laughs) (laughs) and you know i love it
2: Same. I am so happy with this episode. Like, I feel like normally when there's an episode where it's like, really, are Sam and Dean the main characters? And the answer is no. I'm sort of like, can we just skip this one already? But I'm just like, I want the Vernon, Charlie, and Jay story. What are these Winchesters doing here? (laughs) Getting in the middle of it.
1: (laughs) No, for real. I was very invested and I actually felt like it ended a little too early too. I was like, wait, it's over.
2: Oh, I know. And it's so bitter. It
1: is so bitter.
2: I'm okay with it. I feel like I don't know. Everything ties up so neatly. Yeah. In enough episodes that it feels I don't want to say it feels good to have like just a bitter ending, but like it feels correct.
0: I hated it. I hate everything. Don't you really? Talk to me. I hate it because, I don't know, it's so sad. I didn't need oh, that definitely.
1: <laughs> Oh, I loved it, and I don't always like sad endings. I like well-placed ones, which I feel like this is, but uh, just like the fact that, like, so normally when Sam and Dean kill a monster or stop a supernatural event, there's like a sense of pride and relief, and they kind of yeah. expect Jay to feel that, and him to just be like, an absolute horror and anguish just like i did that i threw that gift and it was uh it was so good i loved it
2: yeah no for real especially like when with a lot of these episodes like even thinking back to famously one that i famously i say Mm -hmm. um one that i am known to dislike and we are all known to dislike dead in the water like at the end of that episode, you, they want you to feel satisfied and whatever, but, like, that lady just, like, let her dad get drowned by a fucking, lake ghost <laughs> or whatever, yeah. and she's like, everything's fine, you know what I mean? But, like, mm-hmm. I, that sense of, like, realism in the reactions and emotions is just so good in this episode. I'm like, wow. <laughs>
1: Well, especially when like their job, their careers as magicians are being directly paralleled to um, their lives as hunters. Yeah. And seeing how this career ends. It's just so good.
2: And how did they do that with something as corny as being a magician? What the fuck? I love it. Yeah. I'm obsessed.
0: I think it gets me more each time I watch it.
2: As you age, perhaps.
0: As I age, but also like just watching the performance of specifically Barry Bostwick. It's just like so heartbreaking, and like realizing he had wanted to die, and then they don't really address that.
2: Right? No. Much like, <laughs> much like with our main characters who were like running yeah. around yeah. suicidal every single day, and everyone's just like la la la,
0: whatever. Yeah. And just, like, the devastation of someone who's in that part of life then being bereft of all his loved ones and still having to live. Like, obviously, it's a parallel for Dean, but I think it's even more gut-wrenching because Dean has Sam. Who does Barry have?
1: Well, he had Charlie. <laughs> but, but he turned that My gift heart. down. It's weird for us to start this podcast specifically, like, going on about the end of the episode, but it seriously <laughs> does wrap it up so well. Yeah. It's just hard not to talk about it. Right. Oh, and then, like, Ali, you were talking about how it parallels to Dean, which it really does between the lines, but then what they were trying to get us to feel about how Sam's story, like, in his Hunt of Lilith, parallels to Jay, I thought was done really well, too, for once.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, like, it didn't feel like they were smacking me in the head with, like, an iron skillet. hmm And, like, the idea of, like, magic as something that you succumb to and that you lose control of, um, and that changes you. And, like, him and his psychic whatever and the-the Ruby subplot of this episode.
1: Yeah. I wanted more Ruby and I got her.
2: Yeah, you did!
0: I also didn't think about how like it also shows how at first they took magic as like a joke, and they took this and the fake Chris angel is that his name, yeah, Chris angel, yeah, um, as a joke, and then. They're left in the end devastated by this and like knowing the reality, which to me says a lot about the hunters, like everyone else sees demons and monsters, like this is how they're seen almost, like they would be laughable if they told someone, but in the end, they're the only ones left to suffer this great loss
2: you know what, that's a good point and something I hadn't thought of either. Like people run around probably thinking like they're a couple of douchebags 100% of the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, and to know they're right and then they can never tell anyone. Like I think that's truly one of like the worst curses if you have to carry something alone and no one, not only you can't tell anyone, but people wouldn't believe you.
2: Oof, gosh. (laughs) all right i'm i'm we're we're, we gotta swerve i'm i'm taking us on a we're changing the topic real quick okay (laughs) before before it gets too heavy um can we talk about some of the magician's outfits
0: Mm -hmm. yeah
2: did you guys have a favorite chris angel (laughs) um he wasn't there obviously that was jeb dexter
0: um i'm sorry i saw chris angel (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> I think mine was actually Patrick's, just and he was like so full of himself, like just walking around with like that <laughs> double-lined thick cloak. Oh, I enjoyed um, it.
2: Vance, yeah. Oh my god,
0: he really put his whole majesty in it. <laughs>
1: <Majussi>. <laughs> I mean, How long have you been sitting on your majesty? I protest. <laughs>
0: What was your favorite, Jasper?
2: I was really into the whole Jeb Dexter outfit, with like, especially the first one when he's like on the wires on the stage <laughs> and he's wearing the like black leather vest but with no shirt. You know, just all of the, like, studded jewelry and stuff. But I gotta say, there were some pretty crazy ones. Like, right mm-hmm. at the beginning, before we even meet Jay, there's, like, a magician in the street performing who's wearing this, like, crazy vertical striped red three-piece suit with, like, a black waistcoat and a white tie and a red shirt. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, why is that guy only here for, like, two seconds? He looks cool. But honestly, I think Jay's tux is really... Like his whole look with like the satin champagne shirt under the the black tux, like that was that was good. I enjoyed it. it. Looked, yeah.
0: I have to say, this episode just made me so sad that we will never get the crossover we need. Chris Angel and the guy from um, Ghost Adventures, Zach Baggins. <laughs> i am heartbroken because i also kind of forgot they're different men like they feel the same
2: similar energy i don't know anything about chris angel so
0: oh some women love him that's his whole appeal
2: oh
1: (laughs) okay definitely is like that high theatrics he's the one who was mostly would do like if you see like a watch me submerge myself in a tank for 74 hours while floating above Times Square that's like a Chris Angel style magic trick. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, he did a lot of like find people on the street to watch him do stuff.
2: Is he's like is he like still active?
0: I have no idea what happened to him.
2: Where is he now?
0: I'm googling it.
2: Oh jeez.
1: Oh, I did want to talk about how Jay was planning on committing suicide in a magic show in front of an audience full of people.
2: And his two best friends!
1: Yeah, (laughs) and his friends, and I'm like, Jesus Christ.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I guess when you have the kind of energy that makes you want to be on stage in front of people that doesn't even go away in scenarios such as this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah...
0: Okay, I'm sorry. I just realized something.
2: Okay. Think what's up? think of
0: Chris Angel in your head. About how old would you expect him to be?
1: Like 50? Same.
0: I thought he was like 30. He's 54. Allie, he was
1: he was older than us and famous when we were like in high school. <laughs> <Allie>. <laughs> <laughs>
0: My mind is fucking blown.
2: Allie, that makes it sound like you know, do you remember when like Justin Bieber was like thirteen? And <laughs> and, and like yeah. but he was still like a super popular like that? I'm like imagining yeah. that, but like Chris Angel.
0: I genuinely thought that's what it was. I thought he was like seventeen and famous.
2: Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, all of this, this is why I think he's. I think I just like conflate him and the guy from Ghost Adventures, who is younger. I'm praying. Because now my reality has shifted.
2: I don't think he is. I don't think he is that much younger.
0: My life is a lie.
2: Are you going to look up how old Zach Baggins is?
0: I am. <laughs> he's 45! 45! Wow. The earth is old. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to break down. Keep talking. I'm sorry.
1: Wow. Okay, so I wanted to talk about how I thought this was pretty good characterization because, um, speaking of Sam and Dean, Mm -hmm. because it does make sense that Sam would be into magic tricks as a kid and that Dean would pretend to hate it but actually love magic tricks when seen in person.
2: Yes, oh my gosh. It's so classic Dean that, like, he's like, haha, you fucking nerd, like, when Sam is like, it was just a phase, Dean. But then, like, every time they're watching a magic trick, he's like, like, totally hypnotized. Like, rapt attention. What a dork.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, I want, like, some flashbacks of 13-year-old Sam. Sounds fun. See him doing little magic tricks.
2: Yeah,
0: oh my gosh. That would be so good.
2: I can't imagine, like, a flashback story about Sam being into magic tricks being anything but extremely depressing. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I feel like it would just be extremely sad and we'd be like, we thought we knew what we wanted and now (laughs) we're in pain.
0: I'm gonna make it more sad. Imagine that flashback, but also imagine Dean's flashback of a kid at school doing a magic trick and tormenting him because he couldn't figure out how it was done.
2: Oh no. Allie. (laughs) That's exactly how it would be.
0: They both have so much baggage.
2: Oh.
0: Yeah, I'm... I'm kind of thankful we didn't have that, but I do love the details of them as a kid and like what they both were kind of allowed to partake in and also personality wise. Sam would totally be magic boy.
2: Yeah. It kind of gives me uh, similar vibes as in season one, the episode Shadow, where Dean was like poking fun at Sam for like being in a play or whatever. Yeah. But then he was the one who remembered the play. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it feels
0: like Dean has not been allowed to love life.
2: Well, I think it might feel like that because I think that might be real. <laughs> I think that might be the truth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I did like how Sam, it was revealed that he liked wanted to be a magician as a little kid, but then like Sam also does all of the magical incantations for the boys yeah. and he has the powers. Mm-hmm. Like lots to work with here.
2: Yeah, no, it's such a fun little A to B. Like, of course he's the one with real magic powers as an adult.
0: Can I talk about magicians?
2: I would love to hear you talk about magicians, Allie.
0: It is my time to shine. (laughs) I love the history of magic. So, okay, this website might not be the best because it said it's been around for over 2,000 years. And then it started talking about in 2700 BC. And, like, the math doesn't add up. But... Oh, uh. my God. <laughs> Jetty, or Deddy in Egypt, was a magician. And there's a famous trick of his that, like, people still do. And there's a little debate over whether he actually did the trick. However, he really did decapitate birds and supposedly bring them back.
2: Oh, my God. That's so fucked up. <laughs> yeah,
0: starting off real brutal. Uh. Love it. And you all know the famous cup and ball trick. Mm -hmm. So three cups, one ball, which one's it in? That is from a group of magicians called the, I'm going to butcher this, Acetabulari, between 50 and 300 AD Rome. And they're not even the ones who invented it, but popularized it. So it's interesting we're still using this. But then after this, at least in mainly Europe, magic became synonymous with the occults and was frowned upon, a.k.a. they would murder you if they thought you were a witch. So, but it kind of started having a resurgence in the 16th and 17th century. So in 1584, Reginald Scott published The Discovery of Witchcraft, which you've probably heard of. And he tried to show that uh, witches were just magicians and magicians are scams. Therefore, there is no witchcraft. But in 1655, Thomas Andy wrote that connecting witches and magicians is, quote, foolish imagination. Because obviously they started very different things, like religious or practicing beliefs versus sleight of hand. But in America specifically because supernatural, Richard Potter was the first American stage magician in the early 1800s. His tricks included passing coins through the table, breaking and storing, restoring broken watches, and placing his hand in a bowl of molten lead. Oh! I feel like those are not the Crazy. same. Like, <laughs> how'd you lead up to the lead one? Right. Like, yeah. what's the escalation there? Like, oh, there. here's this coin. Oh, now let me burn off my hand. Um, The person who really mainstreamed magic, though, he was French. Oh my gosh, I've been looking up how to say his name. Jean-Eugène Robert Houdin, with terrible English-American accent. It would be Jean-Eugène Robert Houdin, spelling-wise. Okay, okay. His family made watches and clocks, and he became really interested in how they worked. Mm -hmm. And he made a fucking animatronic in the 1800s
2: oh cool like a like a wind-up kind of thing
0: yeah they called it an android um he used it for the universal exposition and then the circus actually bought it and he became famous for having created it and he was the first one who wore normal clothes uh instead of robes so instead of looking like a wizard uh, wore normal clothes, which now we see it as because it's that very like old style late 1800s suit. Yeah, um, he was famous for his quote second sight, and now he didn't create this, but it was what he was famous for. He identified objects his dad had in the audience when he was blindfolded, but they had like a really long code for his dad telling him what it was. Gotcha. And y'all know Houdini. Mm-hmm. They were friends. Oh. Houdini probably, in—I mean, it's Houdin to Houdini—took um, his name from him, but then they had a big falling out.
2: That seems to be like the big thing with history of magicians is like just a bunch of petty bitches <laughs> who yes! used to be friends.
0: That's what I'm obsessed with. Like, how does this happen? He flat out wrote the, and he called it the unmasking of Robert. Houdin, or however. And he said that Houdin was, quote, a mere pretender, a man who waxed great on the brain work of others.
1: Wow. And
0: he also said that he was like a narcissist and obsessed with himself, and um, he like used his influence. And these were all things that Houdini himself was accused of. <laughs> So it's so interesting to me that having been accused of all these things, he's pointing the finger there. That's hilarious. Also, as so much of European history does, it comes back to colonialism. Um, Napoleon used him against people in Algeria who had been, quote, hypnotized by chieftains to not feel pain. So he would go into Algeria and basically, like, dehypnotize them. Now, to be very clear, this is written by white people after this event so we don't know what religious practice is or even if they were right
2: i'm just like religion. trying to parse like what does that even mean yes
0: yes yeah and it, it, basically he was just pretending he could do magic to try to break whatever was going on with these people but i can't believe napoleon was even involved
2: all right <laughs> okay okay <laughs>
0: um and then finally i just wanna do you guys know penn and teller do you like penn and teller
1: i know penn and teller i don't i'm ambivalent
0: yeah same <laughs> i went through a big penn and teller stage in oh my college. Gosh.
1: of course uh-huh the attraction started gotcha
0: they started as buskers in philadelphia oh and now they're incredibly famous they're known for the show's bullshit, which is really good. Uh, they do some magic in that, but it's mainly about like dismantling like actual fake facts and like talking about how we stigmatize things and they're not stigmatized, and also how like we view fast food as so unhealthy, but then like don't realize how unhealthy other foods can be too. Mm-hmm. It's a really interesting show and is well researched. It reminds me a lot of the older version of Adam ruins everything. And also they have this show called Penn and Teller Fool Us, which is a CW show as well. And it's where magicians would go on and see if they could trick Penn and Teller. And if they could trick them and Penn and Teller couldn't figure out how it was done, they would get to open for them in Vegas.
2: Oh, very cool.
0: Finally, they were both just on The Masked Singer. There you go. (laughs) If you learn a cool magic trick, send me a video of it.
2: She's going to jerk off to it, though. Oh,
0: God. <laughs>
1: I'm sure there's some magician porn out there somewhere.
2: Honestly, Jordan, I bet it's not even that rare. Yeah.
1: Allie's like, I know everything about it. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> yeah and for my next trick i make this dick disappear oh Ooh. yeah i was just about to say
1: <laughs> the act of disappearing seems to be very in line with porn so mm-hmm, they're
0: mm-hmm. They're- i texted my sister telling her that chris angel is so old and zach baggins and she said right in your age range to date then just being tormented on all fronts <laughs> <laughs> i'm curious did y'all like the use of tarot
1: um, I liked how literal it was. I liked it. Like that some of the first kill, it's kind of ironic when um, it's so, for one, it's so literal because it's the 10 of swords and it's like literally <laughs> 10 swords like coming down on him. But yeah. that is like the card of betrayal and like hidden enemies. So like it kind of makes sense to mm. get like killed by that card through like mystical means. Yeah, And also when um, <laughs> Vance died. From that, it looked like you had little, like, red cow nipples where they placed, <laughs> <laughs> And I thought it was hey, really Jordan. funny. <laughs>
2: Ew. Yeah, the hanged man is also very literal, but, like, mm-hmm. th- the thing with the hanged man card is that it's the card whose meaning is very up to the situation it's in. Like,
1: it, it's extremely loosey-goosey. It's a hard one to read. For me, the Hanged Man is, like, suspension in a card, like, to halt an action. Um, I guess you could read into it that it's, like, near the part where you find out about the halted aging. But I think that'd be reading into it a little much.
2: Yeah. I was thinking more about, like, the um, suspension of choice and, like, the delay Mm -hmm. of making a decision. Like, that's that sort of liminal area. But again, eh. The last one is just so fucking literal, although (laughs) now that I think of it, I don't really know off the top of my head what the reversed meanings are for the magician, and he was holding it upside down, I'm pretty sure.
1: Well, so I know the magician itself kind of represents balance and, like, all aspects of your life coming together, so I think, like, reverse could mean, like, he was tearing his life apart, or, like, cutting off a pretty strong tie in his life, so. Oof. Yeah.
2: So even though they were literal, also working in their, you know, more metaphorical senses throughout the episode, which is why I liked them.
1: Mm-hmm. I actually was thought I was going to roll my eyes when I saw tarot cards because I thought they were going to be super literal. And at first they kind of made it seem like oh, they're using tar- tarot cards, the scary. And I'm like, y'all, those are like, you can buy those at Walmart now. Right. <laughs> but no, it was I really actually liked the inclusion of the tarot cards. I thought it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the last time we saw them was, I think, in um, Faith, wasn't it? With the Reaper? Yes. Or was yeah, that a different sure episode? Is. I don't know. Anyway, it was either that or maybe it was Shadow or just one of those that had the death card and they were very like edgy about it and I was like (laughs) y'all
0: yeah this one it treated it like it was such a normal thing and even though like the magic involved it like I'm glad they were like oh these evil cards yeah like it was a lot more the spell and obviously how it was used right
1: exactly I think it's okay to talk about now, but I definitely think that Jay and Patrick were in a romantic relationship. Why did I say Patrick? Charlie.
2: I don't know if it was, like, requited, but I definitely thought Charlie was in love with Jay.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's kind of interesting because, like, who knows off the top of their head how to find a gay dominatrix, like an underground gay dominatrix, in, like, a secret club
2: Oh yeah, no, totally. Like, I think that's the funniest part of that whole gag with, like, the the gay BDSM club. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, both of those two old queens are like, oh yeah, go to, you know, fucking Bleecker Street and ask for the chief. Like, they know who he is, and the address, and I'm just like, "All right, so you're part of that clientele, or you're friends with this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Or both. Why not?
1: And then, of course, Dean shows up. And Dean is not saying no to anything. Yeah.
2: I also... It is funny to call Dean gay because, yes. But also... Like, the whole joke of him descending into, like, a BDSM club, which is all about, like, consensual power Mm -hmm. play and, like, pain kind of stuff, like, as a bigger meta-joke for having been sent to hell and being tortured is so fucked up, but so funny. Yeah. Especially when the chief is like, oh, what's your safe word?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was concerned the first time I saw it because of how they sometimes like make shitty comments or have problematic things but I thought this was just hilarious and the right amount of joking
2: yeah for sure happy that they kept it safe sane and consensual yes that's the kind of like old gay person I want to be though to be honest like (laughs) yes you're so iconic you go little old gay man Do we want to talk about the whole Charlie-Jay thing, though, since you brought it up? Yeah, sure. I feel like the whole time it's just so, like, the yearning. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so intense. Like, there's, like, affection in every single thing he says to Jay the whole episode. And I'm just, like, it hurts my heart
0: so bad.
1: Well, my thing? So, I'm kind of thinking, like, about the monster genre in general, especially, like, old monster genre stuff, like Dracula, um, and, like, yeah. immortality being used as, like, a bond of marriage mm-hmm. is something very yeah. common in the monster genre, so offering, yeah, immortality to Jay just felt very romantic.
2: Yeah, and then he's like, oh, and you too, Vernon,
1: I guess. <laughs> <laughs> not only him but Vernon just gets like yeeted out of the scene too by Dean (laughs) Dean's like leave and he's like okay (laughs) shuffles off
2: I mean to be fair I'd probably leave same (laughs) I'd be like you know what that guy has a gun I'm gonna (laughs) go
0: (laughs) uh to me I also felt like the biggest betrayal wasn't even like the choice of immortality it was like leaving the person who it's very clearly written to be a partner, like, out of that entire decision. Because that's such, like, oh, right. a huge moral choice. And then to go off on your own, seek that, find that, and then after you have it, offer it up is a very selfish choice.
2: Well, I mean, I got the sense that Charlie was already immortal when he met Jay. Oh, that's true.
1: Yeah, well, he made a comment about how if you think it's fun the first mm. time around, just wait for the second. So I think it's very much implied, yeah, that he has done this quite a few times.
0: That's true. I'm curious, why now? Why wait till now?
1: Because he's in love.
2: Exactly. It's different this time, having friends like you, he says to both of them, allegedly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just his two older friends and his other friend down the street, Chief. <laughs>
0: feels like every time Dean and Cass are in a scene together and it's just intense eye contact and then Sim's, like, fucking around in the corner, no one looking at him. It's the same vibes as that.
1: I was, like, kind of rooting for Charlie. <laughs> same. Because I was like, listen, he's just sacrificing magicians. Like, the world doesn't need <laughs> <hate> them.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's, like, polishing his shoe and he's, like, no big loss. So, like, talking about Jeb <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, that's fair, Charlie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like you go have your eternal gay love with brad from rocky horror
2: mm-hmm. i do love all of like the little things that are kind of pointing towards the like a more romantic dynamic there like charlie being the assistant instead of them having like a lady assistant which is like the stereotypical thing and then the last ace in the, like, pulling the aces out of the middle of the deck trick. The last ace, the ace of hearts, is in Charlie's pocket. All, all those tiny yes. little things that just made me go, He literally ah!
1: left his heart with him. I can't believe I didn't remember to even bring that up. Yeah! Every card in tarot, like, has a representation in the regular 52 card deck. Yeah, And the ace is, like, represented in tarot as, um, like, ace of wands or whatever represents, like, the physical meaning of something. And it's so funny because, uh, when he's, like, leaving the ace of hearts, he's literally that, like, in tarot would represent, like, his heart. Physically giving his heart to him. It's just interesting. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Jordan's like, it's just interesting. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's just something to note in this show, and we've talked about it before, but like the way that they're so intent on excluding mm-hmm. women from Supernatural creates two things for one all of these like intense friendships can really read as homoerotic and i think a lot of times it's intentional but then we have the opposite side whenever we introduce a female character she has to be like kind of tough and masculine Mm -hmm. to be able to fill in the void of the masculinity of an all-male cast and then it makes her seem kind of gay and like the way (laughs) they write this just makes everyone (laughs) seem so gay It's so bizarre. Yeah, like let people be gay in your show, Supernatural, and it'll make it so. Or not. I'm having fun with this. Keep this like weird pulsating homoeroticism underneath your storylines.
2: Pulsating was an interesting yeah. word choice there, Jordan. That's
0: what I was thinking. <laughs> Did we want to say anything about the ruby parts of this? Definitely.
2: There's only two scenes with Ruby, but they're huge because they're talking about the overarching story and not the, you know, monster of the week stuff. And Jordan, I really wanted to get your read on on, on those two scenes.
1: I really loved the Ruby arc in this episode. It was so strong. Okay, because Ruby is essentially what ties this episode into the greater overarching narrative and makes it not feel like last episode did. Because of how Ruby is paralleled to Charlie.
2: Right, yeah.
1: In this episode. And um, she is trying to help, like, Lilith is killing people and trying to do it the quote-unquote, like, right way. Is kind of forcing the boys into this lifestyle longer and, like, keeping them from being happy. Yeah. So I kind of get it i do like how we arbitrary throw out seals though
2: <laughs> yeah she's like 34 of them i'm like okay <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm like i kind of hate the introduction of seals just because they don't really mean anything <laughs> because like oh my god how many monster of the week episodes have we had this season that weren't had nothing to do with seals right
2: and she even says that she's like what the fuck are you doing
0: Imagine if we had like a 24 TV show, 24 clock in the corner, where every time a seal was broken, we just got a little number change. Like, <laughs> I would like that, though. You need something to keep track.
1: Well, my thing is, too, is like the boys are all like, we got to mm-hmm. help everyone, even if it means mm-hmm. like... You know stalling the mission and i'm like these seals usually indicate <laughs> catastrophic events right like those seals breaking are probably killing a lot more people than charlie is like they probably should be a little bit of a priority i don't know we'll get to it later fun time,
0: not a long time
2: okay though really how is sam supposed <laughs> to know what's going on with the seals mm-hmm. Because the only True. time they come up is if, so, like, the angels appear and they're like, there's a seal, go do something. Yeah. So, like, what are, you know, what are they supposed to be doing about it? And, like, it's not like Ruby has been very <laughs> forthcoming with information all the time either. True.
0: Man, imagine if the show had clear communication. Think of how many problems would be solved. A lot of them,
2: to mm-hmm. be sure. What do you think about Sam just being like, I don't care about the psychic stuff. That's fine. Finally.
1: I was just like, thank God. I mean, he kind of implied that he like said he was, I'm doing it for me. And I'm like, but are you, Sam? (laughs) And yeah, it's kind of fun. I'm ready to see Sam's descent into demon princey or whatever he's supposed to be.
2: Demon princey. I love that.
1: Uh, Also, I do have to say, I like that we were finally like, okay, this story arc is going to focus on Sam this episode, but let's make sure that it's an episode where we have barely (laughs) any Dean and Sam. Oh my
2: god, right? They were like, well, we had a Sam episode last time or a couple times ago, so it's, you know, it's too soon to talk about him for more than five minutes. Speaking of, we're here for a fun time, not a long time. Sure is the content of that sad conversation that he has with Dean right after that. Yeah, rewatching this episode um, post-series finale is painful. Yeah,
0: absolutely. (laughs)
2: Like, Dean being like, either ends bloody or sad, that's just the life. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I'm gonna go. Well, so they there's two quotes. There's the one that you just said with Dean, which we know he's right, and then we have the quote at the end of the episode from Sam, where he says he doesn't want to be hunting monsters when he's an old man. Yeah. And then like through the, because I have seen the last episode through the tattooing on his son, we know that Sam is hunting monsters until he's an old man.
2: It's fucking crazy, right? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah really invalidates how good this episode is the ending does it's a little sad
0: i would say series in general yeah because it just sets up for so much and then yeah and it starts that so early like we're seeing it already and i know four seasons is a fair amount but like compared to how many the show has overall like they really set up a lot that they did not follow through on
2: Yeah, if there's anything I learned from seasons four and five about the trajectory of Dean's life, it's that he's supposed to be an old man Mm. when he dies. It just it just bums me out, y'all. It just bums me out. The way that Sam kind of parrots like Ruby's dialogue from that Mm. previous scene here feels so desperate and urgent. Mm. I really wish that like communication was better (laughs) between Sam and (laughs) Dean. In this episode, like, I just want to shake him and be like, please, (laughs) why won't you just say you want to hunt Lilith?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't really know what he's sparing Mm -hmm. Dean from, but I will say I'm very interested. I'm kind of excited for the boys split up a little bit. Yeah.
2: What do you think? Do you have any, like, theories about what Sam's been doing?
1: Well, so the only thing we know is that he was exercising people, Mm -hmm. which he got really good at, but he was not able to exercise, like, I don't know what that super demon was supposed to be like, a Lord of Hell or whatever. Alistair, yeah. I'm not sure. I'm really curious, though. I'm guessing he's just probably getting even better at exercising demons. Maybe now he'll... And he's immune to... And probably building up his immunity to Lilith. Mm -hmm. So I assume that he's trying to get powerful enough to exercise Lilith. Mm -hmm. While also protect himself. I'm trying to think back to what the Yellow-Eyed Demon could do as well, since his powers are from the Yellow-Eyed Demon.
2: Yeah, the Yellow-Eyed Demon just kind of liked to bop around and pretend to be their father figure a lot. (laughs) Right.
1: right. Well, he could light things on fire. Mm -hmm. That'd be cool if Sam could do that.
2: He used telekinesis a lot to snap necks.
1: I have a feeling we're never going to see telekinesis again. (laughs) Our dream visions. The writers are just like, we're done with that.
2: Right. Like, why would we have that still? Why would we use (laughs) Sam's powers the way they've been written? Well, I'm just like,
1: hell is literally like merging with the mortal plane right now through these seals. And like, Sam, who is psychic, because of his connection to demons, is not having visions anymore. Why is he not seeing some of these seals through his visions?
0: Right. That's a very good question. That seems like, like, the
2: logical, like, way the narrative would go. Like, why would he not be receiving visions? (laughs) Like, why do they have to wait for, like, heaven to be like, go here, go there, da-da-da.
1: It's really weird because as Sam is so, like, descending into demonhood, he's becoming a lot more human than he's ever been. How do you mean? Well, just, like, his powers are now, like, widely ignored. Mm -hmm. There's, like, an emotional and, like, a physical disconnect from how they're writing Sam to me. Mm. I find it very confusing. I gotcha. But we still have half a season left. I'm curious to see where it goes.
2: One of my favorite, just, like, little blip things that's, like, honestly kind of confusing and, like, what the fuck, is, like, this short arc where, like, Dean and Sam burst into Jay's room and like hold him at gunpoint, and then get picked up by the police like almost immediately after. Like the whole exchange yeah. is just so fucking ridiculous.
1: Yeah, that they really did not need the police in there. They literally could have had Jay coming out of the closet, and then cut to the next. Scene. I know,
2: though, and like the police thing is so ridiculous to me because like of the logistics of it, they're so wild. So like, they're both dead legally. <laughs> And like They both have unregistered Firearms on their person So like What the fuck Like they're gonna get picked up And and literally never be able to get out (laughs) Yeah Like I mean I guess they have like you know supernatural allies that can help them out or whatever but it's just like a lot for just hanging out in fucking iowa
0: it just left so many more questions than like anything it added like there was no point
2: correct it was funny (laughs) it was funny though that they turned their backs for like a minute and, and Jay escaped just by going in a closet I was like oh my god you guys
1: are so dumb RJ's just that good a magician I guess he his magician-y quotation marks powers were amplified
2: yeah like his his slate of hand his um his base dex stat was boosted
1: yeah so he had a real good stealth check when he jumped in that closet <laughs>
2: Oh man, just thinking about the dexterity element there, I know I'm joking around, but like they start the episode showing his hands very like shaky and wobbly while he is trying to deal with the cards, and then he's so dexterous and like adroit. Throughout the episode, and then in his last scene, they show his hands again, and it's like the same kind of thing as the beginning. I'm like, no, Jay. That part hurts my heart. Yeah. Oh, when he tells her to throw the cards away.
0: Yes. Oh.
1: Yeah, it makes this episode really sad too, because like Jay's story is a little bit of a mm-hmm. warning to Sam and Dean about like where the trajectory of their lives could go. Mm-hmm. And their their lives still go there. True. So Jesus
2: Christ, old and alone. Yeah. Um. On a lighter note, I cackled when I saw the name of Charlie's like Charlie's stage name on the poster, the Great Desertini. <laughs> I was like, this sounds like a fucking alcoholic mm-hmm. like chocolate mm-hmm. mousse.
1: Yeah, I thought the like, same. Like served thing. in like a
2: martini glass with like a raspberry on it or something. Yes, exactly. I don't know why that came to me with such specificity, but it did.
1: Also, those paintings were like, are those uh, posters were shown to like look kind of old, like from the 1920s.
2: Yeah, yeah. Like they were antique.
1: Yeah, I just uh, found it really ironic that um, this immortal warlock would choose to be a permanent magician's assistant instead of like taking the step into being his own magician. (laughs)
2: no he just he just wanted to be uh he's just a wife guy (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) he is like all of his motivations like in using his magic were to support jay everything was about jay
2: and i mean both times when he used magic to make jay's tricks succeed like those both would have been fatal to him if he hadn't done it i don't know Like, I can almost, almost see them reconciling over the first one, but not the second, I guess. Because I think after that, he probably just should have been honest.
1: Well, yeah, especially, didn't Charlie, like, push him into going on stage, too, and doing this trick?
2: No, he didn't. He urged him not to.
1: For the first time, right?
2: No, the first time that was Jay's idea, too, because they, they were sitting in the theater. I actually really like this scene because I know there's like a lot of intergenerational, like, you know, rabble rabble, you know, the youngins these days or whatever. Even like our generation can be like that sometimes about people younger than us. And he's like, well, maybe we should shut the fuck up because we're not successful. And this guy is even though he sucks, like as a person or whatever. It was that scene. And then he's like, I'm going to do the table of death. And Charlie is like, you're going to die. And he's like, nah, it'll be fine. (laughs) And then later he was like, yeah, I was trying to die. So like both times, actually all three times that Jay went to go do a potentially fatal trick. um, Charlie was like, maybe don't. (laughs) I don't know. And that makes it interesting to think about in comparison with what's going on with sam and ruby because whatever is going on with them ruby is consistently like pushing sam to do the thing that she wants where until they start discussing immortality at the end charlie is actually like maybe don't (laughs) maybe don't do that (laughs) every single time like worried about jay's safety
1: and then jay just stabs his ass
2: (sighs) Um, actually, it was his gut. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) He stabs his literal gut and metaphorical (laughs) ass. Yeah.
2: I actually really love this confrontation scene and, like, the whole action scene afterwards. I do think it's a little hokey that he uses the same, like, you know, swords and hanged man thing on Sam and Dean as were used previously in the the episode, but... um, I still thought it was fun.
1: It was fun.
2: And when um, when Jay is like yelling at, at Vernon and stuff, and Vernon is just like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's wrong with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, then,
2: but then does like a full 180 after they hear Charlie's like bad guy speech or whatever. And he's like, yeah, let's be fucking immortal. Let's fucking go. I'm like, you know what? I like Vernon. That's my kind of guy.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Flexible, I, depending I on the information provided.
1: It was like not only was he immortal, he could like fucking teleport and like hang people with I don't know. It seemed pretty eh. fun. Yeah, he was having yeah. a good Being old a time. Warlock seems like a cool gig.
2: I like when yeah. he did the um, the chewed the chewed up bullet. That was funny.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I think Jay made the wrong choice.
2: You, okay, I was actually going to ask, like, just put the the question forward, did he do the right thing? But you you think he did not?
1: No, I don't. I mean, like, yeah, it's killing people wrong, but like, they only have to kill people occasionally.
2: And those past two people didn't even have to die.
1: Well, so I think, yeah, true. I think it was pretty implied that the immortality spell is at the cost of other lives.
2: Yeah, Especially given that like the last time we see Charlie before he appears young, Charlie's body is dead, which was kind of that was kind of weird. I didn't really understand that. But but yeah, it did seem to be implied.
0: I will say he made absolutely the wrong choice. Immortality makes me so anxious. Uh, Live your mortal lives. Don't kill other people. So he made the right choice. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) I was mixing up who we were talking about. Yeah, I think it's devastating, and obviously there would be temptation, but, I mean, we, we've we watched enough spooky shit, like, there's always too big a cost, whether it's now or later.
1: But he literally gave Charlie his heart. That's true.
2: I think he did the right thing, I just also think that he shouldn't <laughs> have done it. Like, I'm like, it doesn't seem like it's worth it for yeah. him. Like, he seems like he's gonna leave that bar and try yeah. to kill himself, like, immediately
1: oh also weird when he stabbed himself it would have made a lot more metaphorical sense if he stabbed himself in the heart because it would have been a callback to the beginning of the episode but instead he stabbed himself in the spleen it still worked either way but i'm like if he had stabbed himself on the heart it would have made more sense or at least been a little more poetic that
0: would be too gay jordan all the rest of the
2: stuff is like you know it rides the line but that's just (laughs) a step too far
1: In this straight show. Just (laughs) pumping a pure raw heterosexuality.
2: Hetero show for hetero people. That hurt me to say. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's time for the fanfiction.
0: Yay, yay, yay! Oh, I'm so excited. If this is about magicians, I'm gonna cry. (sighs) Jasper, no, is it not? It's (gasps) not! I really
2: wanted... I tried really hard to find... Something about like stage magicians. Uh-huh. But I don't know if just like my tag surfing skills just weren't, you know, I, I just I'm going to need some help. If anyone has fix about yeah. magicians and like yeah. illusions and stuff like that, please send them to me. Um, but I wasn't able to find any immediately
0: send them our way.
2: Honestly, probably what is what I should have done is looked up movies about magicians and stuff and then looked up like you know whatever movie title au but i'm not smart so i didn't think of
1: that No, that's
0: so convoluted like
1: like the prestige supernatural crossover
0: yeah What's the other one that's like the prestige and came out the same time the illusionist yeah i'm obsessed with both of those i actually they're
2: so they're both good movies i actually think the illusionist is a lot better because it's less focused on trying to trick you and more about the emotional story between the characters the prestige I like figured out in like 20 minutes or something I was like it's twins <laughs> 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 I was like man this sucks
0: yeah, the other one has such like I don't even like love stories but like it's really good.
2: Oh, yeah. And that was back when, like, Edward Norton was hot or whatever. Don't,
0: Edward Norton is always hot.
2: Okay, Allie. So
0: much sense.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> this fic is the belated Sam Ruby fic that I could have mm. brought up multiple episodes ago. It's called True Names. It's by AO3 user Dreams of Ghosts and Stars. That's no caps, no spaces or anything. The summary is, while Sam and Ruby hunt a network of demons, Ruby hunts for the Sam she needs. Set between the flashbacks in I Know What You Did Last Summer and Dean's Resurrection in Lazarus Rising. So it's just all of that, like, what was going on while Dean was dead sort of stuff. It is not rated. The main ship is Ruby Sam. The characters are just Sam and Ruby. The additional tags are fun. I'm not going to read all of them. Psychic Sam sam winchester's powers religious imagery and symbolism religious zealot ruby ruby centric pov ruby morally ambiguous character rough sex sex in a car knife play blood kink consensual but not safe or sane (laughs) (laughs) witch ruby demon human relationships canon compliant can it hit relationship some plot?
0: Well, I was not expecting a heterosexual story from this.
2: Sometimes the streets can get it. I was very tempted to try and find like a lesbian Sam fic mm-hmm. because I I've noticed that often when I go to look for Sam Ruby stuff, it is lesbian Sam. Mm. I just wasn't feeling it this time. I don't know. This story is um, it's not complete or it's not fully posted. It says it's chap- chapters four out of six are posted, so that makes me think like the story is all plotted out and stuff by the author, but they haven't finished polishing it off and posting it yet. The last time it was updated was in March of 2020, so grain of salt. It's got 655 hits and around 14,000 words. So a pretty quick read. Go jump scare this AO3 user by leaving a kudos. Make them remember they have this posted on the <laughs> internet.
1: I, I know it's like not from the fanfic, but talking about lesbian Sam, mm-hmm. I do wonder how the dynamic would have changed if, God, that would have been so cool if Sam was a lesbian.
2: I, yeah, I think so.
1: Sorry. My head was just turning, but
2: yeah, we were doing the Zach Braff, like scrubs thing.
1: <laughs> nice. But yeah, no, that sounds very interesting. I think I've talked a lot about how I wish I could have known more of what happened In the space when Dean was dead.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And as we've mentioned multiple times, we sort of have an idea of what the vibe probably was from the mystery spot. Um, But we don't know what actually happened, except for the couple of flashbacks we get from the episodes mentioned in the summary. Okay, do we want to rate the episode?
1: I'm so down. Do you want to start us off? I I do. I think I'm going to give this one... Gosh, is it fair to give it a five out of five when I think the ending of the series kind of overwrites a little bit of the beauty of this episode?
2: Yeah, I think you could read it whatever you want, because there's no rules.
1: (laughs) I think I'm going to give it a 4.5 out of five, because I love the story. Am I going to look at the series as a whole after I watch it all and go back and just be like, this episode was one of my favorites? I might get lost in the shuffle a little bit, but I really enjoyed it. So I'm going to give it a 4.5 <laughs> out of 5. In the card shuffle,
2: because it was magicians and card decks.
1: hmm Yep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry.
1: No, no. I want to give it a 4.5 <laughs> out of 5 um, underground BDSM dungeons.
0: Nice. Perfect.
1: <laughs> what about you, Allie?
0: This episode hurts my heart, but in a good way. I will give this a five rabbits out of five black hats that we missed in that episode. What about you, Jasper?
2: I am going to give this a four point seven five out of five tarot cards because, uh, as much as I love this episode, um, and I think it is like the the messages in it and the ways it ties into the main story are so so perfectly done watching it after the finale does color it for me and obviously that's not the fault of the writer or director of this episode but yeah it just it does affect it for me i'm like man everything that was being implied and set up for us in this episode <laughs> did not come to pass and <laughs> it bums me out but otherwise, I, yeah, this it's wonderful and all the performances are wonderful and all of the different metaphors woven together are just so, so honestly perfect to me.
1: Well, dang, there you all have it. Mm-hmm. Well, ugh, I guess that means I need to figure out what's going to happen next. What <laughs> next? I think what I want to happen isn't going to happen. Tell me what you want to happen. hmm So we saw Sam drive off with Ruby at the end. Mm-hmm. I think what's going to happen is that he's going to go do something with Ruby. Probably go, like, look for clues for Lilith. Probably go shake down some demons. But I think he's then going to go back to Dean and hide what he's doing with Ruby. So he's going to just go start using his powers secretly Mm -hmm. with Ruby, helping him lean more into his abilities. What I want to happen is I want Sam and Dean to just part ways for a little bit yeah and Dean to be tracking down his brother while getting messages from the angels while Sam is working with Ruby to try and track down Lilith and then have like a convergence I think that would be a lot more fun gotcha yeah there I'm kind of perplexed I don't really know what's gonna happen next but I'm excited
2: thanks for tuning in to on the road with supernatural our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhar, and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo if you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTR Supernatural or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. That's all for today. See you next time in Fairfax, Indiana.
1: Bye.
2: Bye. Bye.